You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson. Welcome to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. And today we have a very special guest. Miss Cherie Benjamin, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Excited to jump into this podcast. And uh, I know it's cliche, but to pick your brain, see what's inside and what uh, information you can provide us. So Cherie, for those who don't know who you are, uh, give us a little background on you. Oh, gosh. Okay. You know, I can't stand talking about myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's such a general question. Oh, boy. Broad question. Let's see. So I I own Village Premier Collection. Uh, We are a indie brokerage. Uh, We are based out of Georgia, uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, and Florida currently. Um, so we've we've been doing a lot of expansions lately uh, and, and a lot of exciting stuff. So I'm really excited about everything that we have that's coming up. But I guess I would say that's my main gig uh, every day. But I mean, I'm also a wife and a former vet and a mom of five boys and, you know, keeping up with everything else that goes on in life and all of that jazz, as you can imagine, that's all encompassed in me. <laughs> gotcha. Interesting. So how uh, how did you get into real estate? Um, I got in. I actually got into real estate uh, doing mortgages first. So back in '99, uh, I got out of the Air Force and then in um, tried to be a stay at home mom for about nine months, and I lost my mind because I can't Google and Gaga all day long. That just doesn't work for me. Uh, so I answered an ad um, to become a loan officer, and I became a loan officer. Um, and did that from 2000, by the time it was 2000 till about 2005 ish. Yeah. 2005, 2006. And then I got my real estate license. Um, and then I kept my, uh, loan license back then. You didn't need a license. And around that 2005, six, seven, eight, can't remember exactly which year it was. They started turning into us needing licensing, uh, as if you were a loan officer. So, um, I ended up getting my real estate license and I could work both. So those were really nice. Although I was in my twenties and making a whole lot of dang old money because I'm doing both sides. That wasn't the best for a 20 year old uh, who didn't understand true finances and how you should uh, spend your money the right way and paying yourself first. A lot of, lot of lessons learned in my early twenties, a whole lot of financial lessons learned in my early twenties, but um, yeah, so that's where I got started at. And that's how long I've been, on this grind and doing it. <laughs> Got you. At this point, uh, since you were in the military, what part of the country were you in? Um, in the military, I was in Germany. Oh, I was wow. predominantly in Germany. So I went from Texas, to Mississippi to Germany. And my ex-husband went to Korea. Um, I got out of the Air Force for having a child. And it's very hard um, when you are in the military and you guys are in separate branches. So I was in the Air Force. He was in the Army. They didn't, as much as they like to tell you that they try to station you together all the time. No, they kind of like, no, we take precedent. No, we take precedent. So precedent. So now we weren't playing that game anymore. So I got out. Um, he stayed in. He went to Korea. Then we ended up in Colorado. Wow. So and when you started real estate, what state were you in? Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Um, where are you originally from? DC. DC. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Two, two different pers- uh, spectrums. Totally yep. different. <laughs> totally big, different. Big cultural shock. Um, actually, it was a culture shock when I moved down to Georgia, moving from DC. So that was different because I moved down to Georgia in the 90s from DC back when jury curls were still in, in South, uh, apparently in uh, Atlanta. <laughs> And that was no nowhere near a thing that would ever happen in D.C. So uh, and the South being a hurry up and wait style, like it's just and in D.C. and Maryland, Virginia, it's like, you know, it's a, that's how we move. And then I had to I remember real quick story. I think the first time we went down there and we were sitting at the gas pump waiting for the lady to move and she like got out of the car you know, in D.C., you you don't just put your pump 
in your tank and then go sit back in the car. No, because you're holding it. You're looking to your left, your right behind you. Like you're keeping, you got to stay vigilant. I'm messing up my words this morning of everything that's happening, you know, that's going on. And I watched this lady like put the pump in her, in her car, you know, put the thing in her car and then go sit in the car, light up a cigarette at the gas pump, puffing a few, checking her face, looking at her makeup, you know, and I'm sitting there like this gas is done. It's done. And I don't know, should I just be better? You know, what is she? She gets back out. She goes ahead. She puts it up. She goes back. Oh, and then she walks over and gets her candy or whatever, her water or whatever she needed to get. And then she comes back. And I'm sitting here like, lady, move your car now. (laughs) I am not used to this Southern thing, but I have evolved. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. I had to learn. Georgia. Georgia taught me patience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At what point did you go um, one or the other? Did you become all loan officer or all real? I started off all loan officer. Then I did a little bit of both. And then uh, I moved from Colorado to Georgia. Um, And then when we moved to Atlanta, I was kind of a little bit burned out, as you could probably imagine, trying to do both sides of everything. I was very much burned out. Um, I worked for a company that basically funneled everything through everything through Taylor Bean and Whitaker, and um, which is an old lender. If you guys have been around for that that time, well, I'm sitting in the office and the feds showed up. And they came and boxed like all of the documents and everything else. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should probably make a change at this point. <laughs> I was already burned <laughs> out. But seeing that happen, I was like, oh, my God, I'm out. So I ended up doing insurance, um, which I still have my I'm still active in, in insurance as it is. Still have my same clients for years. Still get paid on that and everything else. So I still do love the side of insurance that it's a consistent check that happens every single month, even once you're not even talking to them anymore, you know, as long as they have that policy. So I did that for a little bit until the Affordable Care Act kind of made a huge change to that. And then I was like, you know what, I I really do miss what I was doing and went back. So in 2013, I would say I took a break right before the market crash, which I felt like I was really lucky. Um, so I took a break from 08 till 2013. So those five years I was basically doing insurance and then I just went back. Okay. 2013, you were here in Georgia? Yep. There okay. in Georgia. Yep. When you reactivated your uh, real estate license. Um, I mean, retook it because there's no reactivation right. when you're dormant for five so years. Five years. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, how was your first year? coming back compared to what you were used to before your hiatus? Um, The only difference was that I didn't have the clientele that I had before. So to me, I'll be honest with you. I think that some people think that real estate is very hard. I don't look at it like that. I'm, I'm a person who believes in a pipeline. I'm a person who believes in you need to be able to work with multiple at one time. And if you have a bad client or someone, I'm also a person who believes in firing you. Like, hey, we are not a good fit and it doesn't bother me. Yep. You might be about to spend however much it is and whatever that 10 plus thousand dollar paycheck is, is not worth disturbing my peace. So I'll move you to someone else. I will refer you to someone else rather than spending my wheels or spending my time or doing anything like that. I think it's, it always works out better for people when I can tell that we're not a good fit. Um, so I work with people that I want to work with. Uh, but in st- in saying that, you know, it's all about a pipeline and I get it. And it's a grind. It's a grind for real estate agents, a grind for lenders. You know, it's a grind for just about any business that where you're, you know, you're of a service to clients. Um, and so me, it's a, it is a fact of having multiples at one time so that I never have a zero month. I never, I've still to this day, I've never had a zero month as long as I've been in sales. And that is one thing knock on wood. That's my head. But uh, that's one thing I never want to change. But I think that's a little bit of my what my mindset is. I don't care what price range you're in. It could be, heck, I sold a piece of land for $4,900. And like the grand commission was $197. I don't care what it is. It all spends and it all makes my mortgage payment happen. So um, yeah, I think that's mainly what it is for me. It was not 
to me, it wasn't anything different. The only difference was um, on the loan side, just understanding the changes that have happened. But as far as real estate, real estate is real estate is real estate is real estate. Gotcha. So at what point did you transform? When did you uh, start Village Realty? I didn't start Village Realty. Mm-mm. I didn't start it. So you didn't? No, I'm not the founder. No, I'm the owner. The I'm owner. The I purchased Village Realty. Okay. And then I changed the name and changed the branding of it. So in 2013, the end of 2013, I left uh, Kate Keller Williams. So I was at two separate Keller Williams offices. It just wasn't my jam. Um, I left there. I left there after I capped, which a lot of people are like, What? Yeah, like two months. I think I was, you know, yeah, less than 60. Actually, it was less than 60 days after I capped is when I left. Um, I left there and there was a little company in Atlanta who had just gotten started. Um, They had a managing broker and an admin person and the founder of it, obviously. But um, the founder of it purchased uh, was a co-owner of a a company called Paragon, which him and his partner sold for $95 million. And from there, they bought Atlanta Tech Village is where we sit at, um, is where the home was. He was originally a Keller Williams agent also too, isn't that something? Uh, But then he founded Village Realty. Um, And then I left KW and went to Village Realty, and I was their very first uh, agent that they hired. Um, And then was there, so from 2014 to 2019, in 2019, more actually in 2018, I went to them and I said, I started growing a team. I had another child in 2015, which it was very hard to be older and later in life and pregnant. And so um, I had no choice but to grow a team. Uh, so fast forward from 2015 all the way to 2018, my team is now 46 agents and it's a very large team, which is kind of like a very small brokerage, you know, for some people that's a larger brokerage in certain uh, markets. But for me, you know, we're just a little baby. We are basically a, what could be considered a baby uh, brokerage for our team size. And for village, I wasn't asking them for just about anything except for the issues that I just didn't feel like dealing with, but we had control over everything. So we were basically operating like a brokerage. So I went to them and I discussed with them in reference to franchising and all that. I checked out 10 other firms that were out there. Um, Some of them are stock driven. Some of them are, you know, you get paid for all different kinds of things, you know, and just to see what else was out there and what would be a good fit. And that's what I tell people. I coach a lot of agents across the U.S. and I always tell them whenever you're making a change, you have to understand what's out there. So even if you're not going to change the company that you're at, right, if you end up selling at the company that you're at, you guys end up making everything work. You still have to understand what is out there. Right. So I did that homework for it. And then I went to them and I said, hey, I've checked everything out. You guys are my fit. Right. You guys are my fit. Can we figure this out? Can we work this out? And by 2019, it was worked out and figured out and they did start franchising in a sense. So it's a general manager. And I became one and opened up their Midtown location. And that was, uh, I think we kicked it off in May. And then in uh, September, the end of September, um, I I got an email from the owner of the company saying that he was interested in selling it. And that he had a few offers on the table for Realology. You know, they own ERA Shields and Century 21 and a whole bunch of other, you know, bigger box companies Um, and what their offer was. And he said, but he didn't want the culture. He didn't want everything to change like those companies would come in and do a total overhaul and change it. Um, So we settled on a price and I purchased it. So in October, that's why we call at Village, we call October 1st Village Day. Now in doing that, Notice that there was other village realties around. So this is something that I want to, if any of your people are listening in and they are broker owners, you have to make sure that your name is unique and it stands out if you're planning on growing and scaling. And as I looked, there were other village realties in Tennessee and a couple of other places. So that didn't work for me. So we had to do a total overhaul of the name, a total overhaul of the branding, a total overhaul of a lot of stuff that just was not in direct alignment, but it was still a big, huge gift of what I did receive that was in alignment. Gotcha. Yep. So what was that undertaking like? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
jumping off a cliff now uh, into the deep end of the ocean and swim. That's what it was like. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it was like Um, with a bad current coming your way. When I purchased it, it was something. So I had about 48 of 48 of our 118 agents I had already directly recruited of my own and um, 67 of them left. So if you do the math, I was left with only a, a maybe two handfuls right. of the agents that was recruited by them. But that's a gift and a curse. I mean, a, a blessing and, and not, you know, because not necessarily a curse, but it's a good and a bad thing. Let's use those terms. Because what that meant was that the old was gone, right? And everyone that was there understood what the new vision was. And we can move forward, you know, with that. So that's what we're seeing now, you know, years later, going on almost three years later, we're noticing that, ah, this tribe, this is what's clicking here. You know, this is, this is the full vision, but it is a grind. It is a seven days a week grind. I think that people always look at the broker and they think the broker sit back and collects checks. And I'm going to tell you, some people do, <laughs> but uh, there's some people that do. But when you're, if you notice that your office is steadily growing, that there is uh, new things that are coming out, there's new benefits that are coming to you. I guarantee you that person who, and those people, because a lot of the times it's, 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 you know, it makes up a lot of people are on a daily grind for you all as agents. And that's what it is. When I say daily, I mean seven days a week. Gotcha. I've, I've worked seven plus days a week for the last three years. Gotcha. I had um I was working with an agent who was on your team and she was like, my bro, my, you know, I'm on a team. She's in Vegas. And I was like, well, you're in Georgia? So yeah, she operates it from Vegas. She's got a huge team. She's got a huge part of it. Yeah. And I was like, I've never met her like, she, but she's had, you know, like she never saw you in person. And I was intrigued. I was like, well, how is she doing that? <laughs> like, I was literally intrigued. It's probably around 2018, 19 ish yeah, uh, before um, you took over. Uh, oh, before I bought it all. Yep. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I um, yeah, no, I was living in Vegas. <laughs> I was living in Vegas when I bought it. FYI. I mean, I've been here since 2018. So I was living in Vegas when I called them and said that I wanted a franchise. I was living in Vegas when I accepted it. I was living in Vegas when I opened up their Midtown location and I still live here. So I'm like, I'm not moving. (laughs) I love living here. I I think that um, to a lot of people, they're like, wait a minute, you live 2000 miles away and you're opening up this stuff and you're doing this. How? I don't even like they can't wrap their heads around it. And what I always tell people is that, I mean, who told me I couldn't? Who said I couldn't do it? But, oh, I mean, it's, it's a plane ride, you know? And then in COVID days, it became a Zoom meeting, you know? So this Zoom meeting stuff is going to stick, but it's a plane ride. That's all it is. It's a plane ride. So do I have the, the real thing that you need to pay attention to is do I have the resources in order to make this consistently? Pre-COVID, I would go back once a month. Um, since COVID, I don't need to. And the reason why I don't need to is that, I mean, the entire time in COVID, while some people were complaining and whining and all that other stuff, we were on a grind. And when I say complaining, and whining, not about the sicknesses. No, I'm talking about the limitations that might've been put on their businesses that had to make the changes. I seen a lot of complaining and whining. And to me, it's adaptation is what you needed to go into. Adapt to what's happening right now. That's a part of when you said, was there a big difference? And I'm like, to me, there isn't really a difference. You just, this is what it is. And you adapt and you move and you go. You know, that's it. You make it a thing, it will become a thing. If you don't, then it's not. So, If someone was to ask you, what is the culture of Village Premier? What would you say that is? Um, We are, I have a few things that I say. So we always say that first you need to be nice, right? Every village office, you see it when you walk in, it says, be nice. It says, dream big, work hard, play hard, always pay it forward. And one of the biggest things for me is that I need to make sure that all of my agents feel safe, right? Safe means different things to different people. Remember, I purchased this this uh, this company back in 2019. In March, or was it May? May of 2019, George Floyd was murdered. And so we had a lot of civil unrest happening. Our building was vandalized. All of those things happened, you know, down in Atlanta, 
Um, I noticed that my, while we have a, a pretty good diversity in our company, um, I noticed that my black agents were pissed at my white agents and my white agents were pissed at my black agents. And I'm like, oh, heck no. What are you guys mad for? No, you're not going to be mad at each other. Not at all. So what I did was I started doing what I call a meeting of the minds. And that is for us to discuss what we go through flat out. All different cultures. As I told you, I lived in Germany. That's a totally different culture. If anyone's ever lived overseas, they very lived, not visited, not just been a tourist, lived overseas. They understand. A lot of times you understand the differences in cultures and honestly, how spoiled we are in the United States of America. We are very, we're very fortunate to be Americans, but we're also very spoiled as Americans. Um, So I wanted to do that and have different nationalities, different, all types of representation that's there. That to me encompasses safe, right? Safe isn't just, is my broker going to, am I with a competing broker? Um, Are they going to protect my client? Are you going to fight for my commission? Are you going to do this? It, to me, it is an entire thing and it's a feeling that you have. Do you feel safe here? And it encompasses so many things. So every agent must feel safe. We all have to stay connected. There has to be a connection that's there. I don't like for people to feel like they're on an island. Um, That's happened to me several times in my career. I'll be honest with you. I walk in the room most of the time. I'm the only Black person, let alone female and every other hash slash you want to put beside me. But I'm the only Black person walking into that room. And a lot of times in a room full of a lot of large producers. And no, I don't get the head turns, but they also don't talk to me, right? You don't. There has to be that connection that's there. I don't want for people to have that feeling like they're out on an island. And if they ever do, which of course we're not perfect, right? If they ever do, it's like the door is open to reach out to let us know what you need, whatever you need. How can we help? You know, we have a saying that is reach behind you. You pull the next person up consistently, consistently, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. So Mbutu is what we practice at Village. That means I am because you are. I am where I am today because of you. That's a very unselfish style mindset you have to have in order to embody that, right? Okay, so if I help you grow, I'm going to grow too. But how am I going to grow too when you're not giving me contracts? Because in the agent's mind, this is how I grow. I grow from contracts, right? Mm -mm. No, that's not it. Your actual development and your skill set and everything else, when you teach, you also learn. It makes you even better in your craft when you're teaching it to someone else. It makes you implement. It's an it's an instant accountability that's happening when you're teaching someone how to do something. Kevin, I'm teaching you how to properly set up your CRM and how you're supposed to be doing this and what your cadence needs to be every single day. If I'm teaching you that, in the back of my mind, if my stuff is not done right, uh-oh, I need to make sure my stuff is done right because Kevin might say to me, show me, show me yours. Show me how you do yours. Woo, don't let yours not be right, baby. And you're trying to teach it. Oh no, right? right. So that's that part of it. That's a little bit of that, what, that, what it embodies and it embodies more of a team. Um, and I love me some teams, you know? So embodies more of a team effort. And then we have to have a shared vision. You know, it's a, it's where are you looking at growing to? I ask a lot of questions in reference to legacy. I ask a lot of questions in reference to please tell me the thing that you're really nervous to say, because we all have it. We all have something, you know, like I've shared it with my husband. I've shared mine with my, with my mom, you know, and my kids kind of know what it is, but like my coach might not know ultimately what it is. Actually, he does. I, I, I'm an open book with my coach. I'm like straight up vulnerable because I'm like, fix it. <laughs> so I get very vulnerable. But but we have to have a shared vision and everybody has to be able to thrive. So villages is very much a it sounds very cliche if we say we're a big family because people like to throw that term around. I like to just say we're we are a community of agents that are dead set on helping each other, you know, grow. And that's where we stay focused on. That's where we try to stay in alignment, you know, and keeping the kindness and being nice as you grow. Gotcha. How many offices do you currently have? Oh, boy. Um, I think I have. This number gets a little tricky because I know what I have coming up. 
that we haven't announced. So I only want to say what's been announced. Okay. <laughs> Before my marketing girls like Shire, I'm like, okay. Um, okay. I think I have, I, I'm going to say this in, in Atlanta, currently open Atlanta and the Metro, you know, all the different areas. I think we are at eight open okay. with a handful that are opening. Um, and then we have see, nine, 10, wait, nine. Cause I'm not going to say the 10 part. So nine, 10, 10, 10, okay. I believe we're at 10 right now. And we have several others that are coming along. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to keep separated, right? Yeah. It maybe we're at nine. So don't you guys don't shoot me if I'm like she's at 10 and she's at nine. You know, you'll get gotcha. some troll that says something like that. Please, it's okay, Karen or Dan. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know uh how many agents you have? We are right under 400. Um, we're just right under 400. I, I don't have the exact today's number, but we're right under 400. Okay. Um, Higher than 375, but less than 400. Less that than 400. Gotcha. What's the ultimate goal? Is it number of offices or uh, producing? No. Agents? So the thing about Village is that we are, we, I took what I had, right? I took what, what I was given and the blessing that I was given and figured out how to make this so that it makes sense for other agents to do. Because one of the biggest things is that always held me back whenever I thought about other franchises that I went to, or even just opening up my own from scratch was that I didn't want to be the broker, right? I didn't, cause I don't, first I don't like the word broke er. that's how I see it. <laughs> that's what it is. Every time I talk to a broker, they're always broke. And then some of them are broker. Right. Broke. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's what I didn't want. Um, so I did find a nice gentleman that can be my qualifying broker. <laughs> and he's not a broker, broker because he just gets paid his salary to do it. So he's happy too. So he didn't have to do that. But what we do is we do that for all states. We do that for all states. So it is a matter of we partner with agents. Now, obviously, there's minimum requirements you have to meet, and there's a selection and approval process that we go that an agent who is looking at having their own go through. But then what happens is, is as you're going through that and you're taking our classes and let's say everything is working out fantastic for you. Um, the reason why people are doing this with us is that we give them everything, meaning that you don't have to be the broker. You don't have to be the marketing person. You don't have to be the admin. You don't need to be the support line. You don't have to worry about your phone ringing. You don't have to do a lot of stuff you don't have to do. But what you can do is start pouring into your agents. So we are strategically looking for those that that's what's at the core, what's at the forefront of their mind. They want to positively impact the real estate community as far as reaching behind you, pulling the next person up, helping those agents, helping them build their business. And in turn, they're building theirs too, you know, and theirs really does grow in a fashion that it would typically take you years, years to get to. You know, I coach several people and a lot of them are smaller indies, let's say less than 50 um, broker owners. That's that's my lane of who I coach is either a, a team leader or a broker owner. I don't coach individual agents. And um, in those broker owners, what you find is that it's so expensive because they're on the grind themselves. They have to go out and work clients and close deals and do all that. And it's so expensive to hire and then hire the right people. And then if you got to fire them and retrain and redo while you're trying to recruit, while you're servicing your clients, while you're doing, while you're probably the compliance person and the answer, and you're the end all be all for everyone. And as you're trying to grow and leverage and bring on the staff, you just don't have those resources. And when I say resources, I mean the money, the money to do it and the time to do it. And it bogs them down and it keeps them from being successful. And that's the thing that we are looking at, that we are dead set on helping and fixing. And that's what makes us become in an alignment. Got you. Where did that mindset come from that you had? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know where I got that mindset from. Like, where did it originate? I've never thought about where it originated. Like, I mean, I love teams. I just think that together we achieve so much more, you know, and um, why can't it? I was just thought, well, why can't it be a balance? Why can't it work out to where it works out for the company and it works out for this owner? Why can't, who says we can't do that? You know, my whole thing is that, 
a lot of people have always just stayed at the grain and they only follow, well, this this company did this and this big box brand did this. Well, I mean, the last I checked, Gary Keller wakes his tail up in the morning and puts his damn pants on and does every damn thing that I do, you know, and the same thing for Glenn Sanford or whoever else you want to pick. Robert Redford, you pick one. Doesn't matter. They're all doing the same exact things. And they all started with one. It all started with the idea. It all started with an idea and a vision and a dream and a grind. It all started there. Who says you can't do it? I'm just always like, who says you can't? Who told you you couldn't do it? That's how I see it. So let's go back to something that you mentioned, um, going to conferences, being in events and being the only um, African-American brown face in the room. Why do you think that is? I think that one, if we're being very transparent, one, it's the act, one, it's the access. Right. A lot of times we don't know because we're not invited <laughs> flat out. Also, there's only there's less than seven percent nationally. There's less than seven percent of realtors are black, African-American, black, whichever term it is that you want to use um, as long as it's respectful. Uh, so it's you know, that's that's less than seven percent of us. Um And I also think there's a little bit of a behind your head, a little bit of a bias that's there that not calling any person a racist because that's not, you know, but it's, it's, there's still things that are system that that are systemic, you know, look at how long it took before an agent that looked like me could be considered a realtor, you know, segregation, desegregation had already happened, you know, but I, we still couldn't be realtors, you know, for all this. So we could be realtors, but we couldn't be realtors. Right. There's a lot that's there and we have to break down and tear down a lot of these things. And I will tell you, we do have some very, I am very blessed that throughout the course of my career, I've started to become in alignment with people who are in positions of power that are very much looking at changing that perception and changing that culture. And that's who I love being aligned with because they do not look like me. And if we're being very frank, the privilege that their skin tone gave them that that is a, that they didn't notice, you know, they have no idea of it, you know, um, they now do, but they are actively working at bridging this gap and closing this gap and making sure that they make a difference with it. You know, so, um, it's going to take us some time. It's going to take a while. I know this, you know, let's be very frank and honest. We have a a solid group of people that never want that to change that actually would prefer it to go back to the old way. Um, And then we have those that are like, this is wrong. The, this is wrong. Pal voice is larger than the supremacist voices is what I'm finding. So I'm very optimistic, especially with the group that um, I'm in that is consistently and constantly trying to make changes and forcing the hands of a lot of people to make that change. Gotcha. And that, that, that spills over into home ownership. It yep. spills over into the uh, lending side. Um, there's just not a lot of us in the industry. Um, heck, I, when I was a realtor, I was with Keller Williams briefly. And I had never heard of Emmerich Peace. And he was no, there. And I can tell you this. I didn't either. And um, he is uh, he's in Maryland. And I met him years ago when I used to coach for a company. Um, and honest, I'll be very frank with you. I believe they wanted they asked me to coach him. Um, and he had a much he had a, he was a broker owner uh, and I was a team leader. But I was coaching very large teams already across, you know. Um, they asked me to coach him. And at the time, you know, I was like, you want me to coach him because I'm, I'm black and he's black because there's no reason as to why he would go to me. He should go to that, this particular coach, not to me. And that coach has, is, has availability. I get what this is. You know, I understand exactly what this is. You think that he's just going to respond and feel more comfortable if he's with this. No, no, come on. Don't put that limitation on him or on myself. Or don't de- uh, uh, diminish what you think as far as what we can handle and what we can do. If you don't, I'm sorry, but if you don't realize this, we've been living in this world all of our lives. <laughs> it's new to you. It's the same for us. It's new to you to work with a black person and you think that the black people are supposed to be grouped together. K.W. Brown, 
oh, that makes my skin crawl. That's what you guys think. We've been doing this for the longest. This has been us. This is us, you know? And I always say when you, when you, if you, if you've always been diversified, you don't have to do it. You know, you've always come from a place of diversity. I don't need diversity and inclusion because I've always been diverse. That, um, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Uh, it's, it's so true. Um, just hearing the conversations, you know, such and such, like, you know, why would I know them? And then you're like, oh, they must be. <laughs> you already know why they're asking. You're exactly the one. <laughs> Um, I started this podcast because I wanted to highlight African American real estate professionals that are doing amazing things, right? I've been listening to podcasts since probably 2010. Um, mm-hmm. I used to listen to Pat Hyben all the time religiously. Yeah. And what I noticed, and no dig at Pat because I've spoke to him, great guy. I never heard or seen any of us on that. Well, I, that is, I will tell you this, Pat, Pat has reached out to me before. I just couldn't make my schedule. Work, make the so. schedule, gotcha. I couldn't yep. make the schedule as you probably see how my schedule yep. is. <laughs> yep. um, so um, no knock to, to him. I will yep. tell you this, you know, but it does take, we do have to have a space. Representation matters so dang on much, you know, and it matters on a large scale. It's fantastic if you only see it just in your small community, right? And that's the thing, like um, when you, uh, mention Emmerich and, and Pat, right? But they're only in this area. That's it. It, it my mind would happen. And I think this is what, boom, it like it just changed for me right there. Obviously, it was a bah! tears coming moment, <laughs> all of that stuff. But I have a coach. I have this, uh, I have one of one of my coaches. I got three of them. So okay. a lot of coaches, they all do something different. You know, it's for different uh parts of my life because I believe in the whole person, not just one avenue. Um, So um, I have a coach and we were doing a mastermind. He had a small mastermind. He's local to me. He's here in Vegas. He had a small 25-ish person mastermind. He had to have in his home during COVID, you know? Um, So we go there, we're masterminding with him. We're done. You know, it's at the end of it. And I'm sitting at his, uh, sitting in the bar um, stool on his kitchen counter. And we're talking about it. And we're talking about a lot of things. And I had to tell him, I said, listen, here's the thing I think you you guys miss, right? I have had it to where I've talked to a client over the phone. Great, fantastic. Set the listing appointment, all of that stuff. You know, um, my husband goes to drop off his pre-listing package. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm meeting him tomorrow. Can you go give this to him right now? Go give it to him now. You know, so he does. He leaves out. He goes, he drops it off to him. He pulls into the guy's um, driveway. The guy walks out. And I want to say this is probably 2017-ish, right? The guy walks out in his drawers <laughs> and, uh, you know, he says, what are you doing in my yard to my husband, right? This is what he says. And he says, well, I'm here to drop off a package uh, from Sheree Benjamin. You just spoke with her on the phone. Oh, okay. You could just leave it there. That's what he told him. All right, great. My husband gets in the car. He turns around. You know, he pulls on out. He calls me as he's leaving the guy's house. Um, he says, baby, I don't know about this one. Yeah, I don't know about this one. So when you do this appointment, I'm going to be there. Right. I don't know about this guy. I'm, I have a feeling, you know, and that's one thing. Um, when you face racism, it's a you, you know it. Right. We feel it. So it's always so hard to articulate it to people and it's, and you know, as to what the person do, did, right? And it might seem when I'm articulating that they did something so small, but you're like, no, I, I know what this is. We know what this is when we're facing it, right? Especially when it's dead in our face. And I said, okay, all right. And I said, oh, hold on. This is him calling me right now. So he calls. And in the packet, so he opened it, obviously, because in the packet, my picture is there. And I have a very white sounding voice over the phone when I'm talking. We all do it, right? We shift our voices. So I sound very white over the phone is what people say. To me, I articulate my words a certain way. I don't sound white. I don't like that label. I think that's a crazy term. Right. Um, so um, he said to me, I will never let a in sell my house. You can cancel that appointment and hung up. 
Wow. Nice. Georgia for you. So Confederate flag waving man. So we had one in his, in his yard, you know, so it was automatic. You're like, oh boy, here we go with this. Um, so I was talking to my coach in reference to that. And then I was talking to him about, you know, you guys like to put pictures, your faces on your signs, certain areas. We can't do that. We won't get the offers on the houses. I can't be the reason why this person doesn't offer on my client's house. So I have said, this is the, these are the conscious things that we have to think about, you know, is this a racist person's house I'm going into, you know, oh, great. I pulled up and it's a Confederate flag. Oh boy. Who's with me to walk into this property. You know, there's things that we think about as black agents um, that white agents don't think about. There's things that people think about as Muslims that Christians don't even think about. You know, if you think about how that all works. Right. Um, So he said to me and um, we just elected our very first vice president that looks like me, you know, and he said to me, he said, um, and he's an he's a conservative man. Let me tell you this part. Okay, he said to me, he said, um, Sheree, if you don't grow this beyond where you are right now, you are letting yourself down. You are letting every person that looks like you down. I want you to take it as your personal responsibility that if there's nobody that's there, then you better damn be the first. So what do you need? You tell me what you need in order to get this done because I am throwing everything behind you because there has to be a shift and there has to be a change. And damn it, girl, I think you're the one to do it. It's exactly what he said to me. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to. No, wait a minute. Hold on. You Opposite of what you think, you think I'm supposed to be like, yes, go. No, I was, I literally said, you don't know what you're saying to me. I'm telling you, you don't know what you're saying to me because the higher I climb, the more that's going to come at me. It's going to come at me. I don't have the protection of a Keller Williams brand behind me that I can duck off. You know, this is brand new. I'm, I am starting off solely in one market and we're talking about going in outside markets where it's going to be a, who are you? What? Where'd you guys come from? Never heard of you. Never heard of you. Nope. Never heard of you. Nope. Never heard of you. Nope. Never heard of you. And I am a introverted style person. You know, yes, I can go on stage. I can flip it into being extroverted whenever I need to, but naturally, oh no, Sheree wants to be at home reading books or, you know, sitting in the backyard and enjoying my Vegas sunshine. I don't gamble and I barely drink. So uh, that's what I like to do. Uh, (laughs) I'm not a partier. I'm not a, I don't keep up on social media. I don't do any of that stuff naturally. I'm naturally an introvert. And my husband is even more so of one. If you can get him to talk, he must really like you. Uh, So, (laughs) but that's us, right? And so you're asking, a, he was asking a lot more of me, but he, I think he knew he was also challenging me. And so for me, this is 1000% a labor of love. It is a labor of love. It is a dedication to my community and it is a dedication of mine and a commitment of mine to make sure that I am a part of the damn change that needs to happen for every single agent, every single insurance agent, realtor, loan officer that is out there, period. You know, and if I need to be the person that diversifies your company, I shall be. If I need to be the person that that tells you go left, don't go right, that is that is uh no 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 you can't say that you can't do that because this is what it's perceived as I shall be. I'm fine with that. Doesn't bother me at all. It takes a whole lot to scare a chick who's you know who used to carry a damn nine in the nuke ring and could blow up some stuff. You know, that was my job when I was in the air force. It takes a lot in order to scare me. Am I nervous at times? Heck yeah. 1000%. But I also understand the power of every person has the ability to create a shift and a change, but it takes a decision and a commitment and the diligence on their part in order for that to happen. So if I lead by example, and if you're seeing that consistency come from me, then I have a whole tribe of people 
that are going to follow along and do the same exact thing. That's how you make real changes. You have to have the masses behind you in order to do that. And you have to have those that are the allies that are on the outside of that community willing to step in and do whatever it takes in order to make that happen. That's the thing. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing for my community. I'm not staying small. I'm not. Like, I'm dead set on it. I'm not staying small. And it's not an ego thing for me. It is a change that has to happen in our industry, period. That's what it is. Wow. (laughs) That's what I wanted. Okay. That's that's what I wanted. Like, that's, that's the information that I wanted to see. Because looking from the outside in, not real. We've talked a few times, but not really knowing you. I am impressed because typically when there's a black owner, all the agents are black. Yeah. Oh, no. And you have great diversity in your company. And yep. people don't understand how important that is, because that means someone that look doesn't look like you is buying into your vision you and go. they can see themselves growing in your vision. And that means a lot. Yep. That They're means not just a whole buying lot. into it. They have multiple locations. We have, you know, we have a gentleman that has multiple locations with us already. He looks, he looks everything, everything about him is privilege. I mean, from the parents who are multimillionaires, everything about him is privilege, right? Mm-mm. But he doesn't buy into that stuff. Do you get me? There's right. that's the thing. I think that what what we have to understand is that there's so many more that are in complete alignment. You just don't realize it, right? Because we're grouping and we're labeling people. Whereas here, I'm like, take it away. I work with humans, period. That's what I work with. I work with very good, solid human beings. And I'm dead set on, if you are team me, I'm blowing your tail up, meaning What is it that you want to do? That's why when you heard me say, we always have to find out, do we have a shared vision? Because it's very important. It has to be there. If you told me that, Sheree, I want to be a wholesaler, I'm like, we don't have a shared vision. You need to go to a different company. I'd rather do that. And if you have questions, open. I'm wide open. Some people will come to us and they decide, you know what? I'm going to go try this over there. Go try that over there. Let me know if you need help with anything. There's nothing. I'm not going to badmouth you. On your way out, I'm not going to treat you bad. I'm not going to take a higher split on something. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to 1000% treat you the same exact way I would want to be treated if I was making a shift and making a change. And that is, what does it say in the agreement? And what does it say in the contract? And that's it. It's business, right? This isn't personal. It's all business. I've seen it so many times from, and I'll be honest, and a lot of times, which pisses me off is that it's from our community. And sometimes it's from those that we consider as bigger names in our community that do it. And I think it's absolutely wrong and it needs to change flat out. So that's the other thing. Fix your fix your stuff. Right. We have to fix our stuff in how we treat each other and what we do for each other while we're petitioning for everything else to change, too. Those things have to happen simultaneously. We can't just only fight for one and don't fix what's what's inside. We have to do it all. So that's what I'm saying. So when I'm talking to people and I'm helping these other broker owners and all of that, like it's the same kind of cadence that's there. And it's the same thing I'm telling them. Uh-uh, we're fixing your house. We got to fix your house. Once your house is fixed and your foundation is, is solid, then you can start really building on this. But your job is to fix your house and fix those people that are that you are blessed with being able to lead every day. If I am a producing realtor mm-hmm. and now I feel as though it's that time for me to open my own brokerage, what would be a few? Give me one or two pointers that you would give to that person thinking that. Well, when you're thinking that, you have to look at everything. So, what is the what are your MLSs going to look like? Is it something that you have to carry? Is it something for your agents? How much is your ENO insurance going to be? What is your liability insurance going to be about? Because you have to have both. It's not just one or the other. You definitely need both. Okay, you need a corporate style attorney. What is that? You know, it's not just your closing attorney. 
you know, or something like that. You need to have a corporate attorney. What are your contractor agreements? You have to hire them for that. Um, you need to understand which pay system are you going to use, uh, your merchant accounts, all of that. If your stuff is not separated and you're getting checks in your name, your personal name and all that stuff, you got a long way to dangle and go in order to grow through this. Some people think of it just as I'm just going to do it and just do it for myself. Fantastic. You can operate it um, very small. Make sure you have a QuickBooks. Make sure you're constantly staring at your PL. I look at my PL every single morning. First thing. <laughs> I have to look at where the money resides. No, uh, very first thing I look at, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm laughing through this, but I'm dead <laughs> serious. serious. I'm dead serious. I do. It's a daily thing for me to look because it shows, I believe that numbers show you things every little step of the way, right? You have to track things in order to know where is it that we're falling off and what holes do we need to plug and what do we need to fix, right? But there is, it is extremely expensive. Let me just tell you guys this right now. And it talk to a matter of fact, you don't believe me, talk to a broker that has about 20 agents and they will tell you it is hard and it is expensive and you have to have leverage and you have to be willing to get out of your own way. And you have to be willing to trust that person that you can hire with it. You have to understand that if, if um, they can do my, my saying is that if they can do that job, 80%, 80% as good as what you can, you let them do it. And I tell every person at some point, you're going to cost me money. I flat out tell them in the interview, at some point you are going to cost me money and I'm not going to be happy about it at all. This is what I care about. Did you tell me on your own first? Do you have high integrity? And I always tell my team leaders and broker owners, if a person with high integrity comes to you and they tell you, oops, Kevin, I just messed up. And Kevin, you got to write a $5,000 check. Because let me tell you how many checks I done wrote. One of them was 30 grand. Huh? Punch me in my stomach. Uh, that was a gut punch because I just bought the dang old company. I'm like, oh my God, she did what? Oh my God. However, she told me, she told me what happened. That's what it ended up costing once we got it settled out and figured things out and had to get attorneys involved and all other crap. It cost me over $30,000, you know, in 30 days. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so, but she came to me. And so I tell people, if someone of higher integrity comes to you and you freak out when they tell you what happened, that shows uh, a lot about your lack of emotional intelligence than what it ever says about their mistake, 1000%. So therefore you have to have these things in place. As you're hiring people, you have to understand that this person might cost me, that person might cost me, that person might cost me, that person might cost me. Same cadence, same thing to every dang on person. And it's true and it happens. And it completely sucks when it happens, but you have to be prepared for it. You have to. You're a business owner and you need to act as such. I tell every single person in our company, you are the CEO of your business. You only hang your license underneath us. You are the CEO of your business. So you need to act as such. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Okay. I've taken your advice. Okay. I've, I've put all of those items in place. Yep. To get my stuff in order, my business is in order. What is the next thing that I should focus on in terms of growing my brokerage? Recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to always do it. You know, and, and with contracts, we talk about always be closing, right? The ABCs. Yep. And we have a saying in my coaching group, it's KFR, keep effing recruiting. I won't use the word on your podcast as to what the F stands for, but you can get my point. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so that's what you have to do. And that is not easy because you got to get people to buy into whatever it is that you decided that's in your agreement, whatever commission structure it is, that you decided, whatever your vision is, you have to get people to buy into that. And you're going to get a whole crap ton of no's in the beginning. It's going to be a lot more no's than what it is. Yes. And you have to always deliver the value. My thing is this, if you tell somebody that that's what you were going to do, you better make sure that you do it because the way to ruin your company and ruin your representation, I mean, ruin your company and ruin your rep, uh, reputation is for you to not do what you said you were going to do in the interview in order to get them over there. That's how you ruin it. 
just like that. So you always do everything that you say you're going to do. If it's something that you're working on, you can say, like, if it's something somebody asks me, I say, oh, we're working on that. And then I give an expectation. We're working on that, but that's not until 2023, you will see that come out. We're working on that, but that's more like six or seven months down the road, whatever that is. People just need to have the understanding, right? It's a clear expectation of that, but you have to deliver value and value isn't that they get to talk to you. Like I've seen that. Oh, I get, I'll call you and check on you and I'm going to love on you. Oh, I'm going to give you Zillow leads. That ain't value. Anyone can get, you can stroke value is nothing. I can just stroke a check in order to get. That's not what we're talking. We're talking about how are you pouring into them? How are you increasing their business? If you're coming to me and you were doing six transactions, I need you doing 12 and then I need you doing 24. And then I need you doing 48. Like, what are you doing to positively impact that agent's business? And it's not just throwing leads at them. Remember, I said to you guys, I have three coaches because I do believe in coaching the entire person. And when we have our things, some of our things are about, heck, I had a Tony Robbins coach has been on our meetings, right? And that's not anything in reference to real estate. It's in reference to mindset. And in reference to being a great person, it's in reference to a lot of things, but I believe in, in the entire person. Like if you're going to coach someone, you just coach one side of the business, you need to be paying attention to the entire person, their, their entire life, spirituality, health, finance, family, all of those things, that entire, are you in survival mode in your family and with your marriage? And you are in, um, you're in survival mode in your marriage, but you're thriving when it comes down to your business. That doesn't work. You're only in survival mode here. That's not a well-rounded person. Not at all. Right? So some of these principles and things need to get taught. We need to get taught. Things happen. We have a therapist. Like certain things have to happen and be there. So I always talk when people are like, I have this question a lot. Like, why do, why are your agents? Why do they always say how much they love it? I'm like, well, ask them. I'm always like, just ask them. I don't know. They're like, what is it that you guys are doing? So I had a girl who left a KW office, right? And she told me I was talking to her last night. Um, she is, uh, she is on our track in order for her to open up a office with us. And she said that this particular office that she left, they sat down. And they said, is there anything I can do to keep you here? And she said, no, my decision has already been made up. She says, okay. Well, let me ask you, what is it that's going on over there? What is it? She's like, mm, it's hard to put a finger on it. And it, it is. It's hard to put a finger on it. I know what it is. It's hard to put a finger on it. Because how do you explain, think about it. How do you explain racism when it's not something that was direct? Like you didn't call me uh, and I, you know, you didn't say that to me. How do I explain it to you? How do I explain how I feel when I come over there? The one thing I definitely understand, I always talk to my team leaders that are looking at growing and I talk to the broker owners who are trying to grow. The heart actually decides, the mind justifies. That's the way recruiting really works. The heart is what decides. Then the mind has to justify it and make sure the, the math makes sense and what else you guys have and everything else, right? I don't even talk to them about this part. I talk to them about this part. What are you looking at doing? Where are you looking at growing? All of that is what's important to me because what's important to me is are we in alignment? Because I already know the numbers are work. The numbers are simple. The numbers are going to work. They're simple. But are we in alignment? Can I see myself growing with you the same way you can see that you're going to grow with me? That's what we need to know. There has to be an alignment. And no, we're not going to talk every day. It's not going to happen. But am I going to, do I have the resources or am I willing to get the resources that you need in order to reach where you're trying to grow to? And one other thing, Kevin, you know, for me, it is, it's a little bit different. Every single la- level I have lived, talked about, and been through, you know, brand spanking new agent, being a brand spanking new LO, being a brand spanking new insurance agent. Oh, being a team leader, being on a team. Yeah, I've done that too. Being a buyer's agent, being a listing agent, all these different things. I've sat in the seat. So I understand like when you're talking to me and you're saying, this is where I'm looking at growing to. Ah, got it. This is where you need to do. This is how it gets done so that you can avoid all these other pit, pitfalls. 
Because what's going to happen is, oh, and FYI, this person is going to come and try to sell you this. Don't do that. Nope, that's not until you reach this. This At this milestone, this is what you added. This milestone, this is what you added. This milestone, this is what you add. This is the roadmap in order for you to grow the right way. And I'm speaking to you from an experience because I've done the bloop, 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 you know, that roller coaster ride in your exact position that you're at. I've done the roller coaster ride. And this is how you make it just go consistently this way. You're trending up like a graph instead of a roller coaster up and down. Wow. So. (laughs) (laughs) I stopped talking. You're like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, It's great information because I think when people, like you said, when people see brokers and they say, well, she's got 400 agents and they get X, Y, Z and she gets a portion of the check. They see all of the money that seemingly it looks like you make, but they don't see the administrative part brokers fees are higher than the agent's normal fees. Okay. Somebody's paying the electric, somebody's paying for the copy machine, somebody's paying oh, somebody's for paying for compliance. Compliance, yeah. Paying for the receptionist. Somebody is paying for my CEO. I have to pay for my CEO, my CFO, my director of marketing and all of her assistants, my um agent services person <laughs> and all of his assistants. All of the ISAs that are there, all of the the roof, all of the print, all of the systems, all of everything. You know, it is extremely expensive. And that's the thing that I I always tell people. Can you afford it? And a lot of times agents just say, well, I've been putting money to the side. I've got 20 something thousand. I've got this. I've got that. And I'm going. Um, Even when I first started. $20,000 $20,000 didn't make it past, uh, let me think, what day of the month? Maybe the fifth? <laughs> like, what day of the month? First round of payroll, you know? <laughs> no. But even when I first started, and it was very small, and it was just, I had two. When I purchased the company, I had two. I fired everyone, cleaned everybody out. You got to go. The entire staff walked in, sat down. And it was very funny because the staff members that I had already had with me was on one side of the table. The old staff was on the other side of the table and I'm sitting at the head of the table. And I'm just like, okay, talk to me about your jobs. Let's go through what you like to do and what you don't like to do. And let's figure this out. Are you on the wrong or the right seat of the bus? That's what I needed to know. Right. Because I know that for me to have the highest use out of this person I have to put you in a position of things that you love doing. Because if I give you a whole bunch of crap that you can't stand doing, now there's going to be a mix of some like, eat the frog, you can't stand doing this part of it, but you love that part, right? So I need you in a love position is what I call it. I need you in that love position. I need you doing things that when you get up in the morning, you don't say, I got to go to work, Lord, I got to do this. I don't want them feeling that way. Not at all. Because we work long, hard hours. Last night, I was on the phone with my COO and my director of agent services, and we were talking till 1 a.m. their time. And then bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I was on a Zoom meeting at 6 a.m., you know, and they were on it with me. So that was nine for them, but we have a, a huddle and I heard them at seven. So no, it's a grind, but they are in the position of a love too. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. So uh, therefore it doesn't, while it is a grind position, it's also, that's just how we work. I tell people we don't W-O-R-K, we W-E-R-K over in this joker. I can tell you that now. Okay. Um, ain't no sitting back. And my agents will tell you, there ain't no sitting back and waiting. I don't sit back and wait. We're very proactive as much as we can. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if there is an issue and there is a something that arises, then a system and a process goes in place immediately so that it doesn't happen again. And that's how we operate. Gotcha. Cherie, this has been awesome. Um, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on. Uh, for anyone who wants to get more information about your brokerage, how to become a part of it, how to become of you. If you're taking coaching students, I know you take brokerages as coaching students, brokers as coaching students. How, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so you can, um, I'm Sheree, and that's C-H-E-R-I if you're only listening. Um, Sheree Benjamin, and that's that's me on all social platforms. So at Sheree Benjamin. 
Um, or you can always just go to our website and it's Village Premiere. No E on the end because it's not a movie. So villagepremiere.com. Um, that's our uh, website. So anyone has any questions, I am pretty much an open book. I am the CEO of the company. I am the owner of the company. So most of the time, um, evenings are better or the weekends, you know, or something like that is a lot easier for me to reply. I always tell people, please don't have your feelings hurt. I catch DMs five days later sometimes because I, I just don't have the time to be on an Instagram. And it's naturally not necessarily me, you know, so um but feel free, reach out. It can be a pick your brain moment. It can be whatever that is, especially for our community, especially for our community. Now, don't whore my time, you know, but if you need some help, you need a connection, you need whatever it is, then reach out. Like use me as a resource. I tell people all the time, use me as a resource. I'm wide open. Use me as a resource. I don't feel as if any person is my direct competition. I just flat out don't. I don't. I have a different vision. I have a different thing than, than what the next broker owner it has. I don't care if we're even in the same market. Doesn't matter. We have different visions on where we're looking at growing to. So. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to the Real thank Estate you. Proverbs. This is Kevin Jefferson and Sheree. Don't call me Sherry. Benjamin. Don't call me Sherry. You call me <laughs> Sherry. I'm like, oh, nope, you don't know me. <laughs> have a great day. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.